Welcome into the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. I'm your host, Rob Warner, and I'm joined today by publisher Chris Cartman. NFL Draft Talk today with the draft upcoming this Thursday, April 23rd. Chris, how are you? I'm doing really well, Rob. Got uh, got a five-mile run slash walk in early this morning i've been i've been uh trying just like i've been saying i've been trying to keep the bo- the mind and body engaged and everything's been going fine when the mind and body of chris cartman is engaged there's no better sight um but let's transition to <laughs> the, the site definitely of, not true of asu draft picks though or potential draft picks that is um brandon Ayuk, eno benjamin cole cabral seem like the guys most likely to be picked in this draft uh, out of ASU's prospects. Uh, Chris, starting with Brandon Ayuk, who's been projected anywhere between a late first-round pick to an early second-round pick to falling even later than that. How do you view him as a prospect? I think a lot of the evaluations are, are, are pretty well done that I've seen out there, and there's, there's a ton of them, so I'm sure there's some that, that, that are bad, but um, I think he plays faster then he ran. A lot of people are like, oh, four, five, zero. You know, that's not great. Uh, I, I think that he has tremendous uh, after the catch athleticism. Everybody talks about how he was best in the country uh, after the catch. Uh, I think that he has runaway speed. Uh, so so he has that separation after the catch. I think that he's very elusive. I think he can run through a defense. Um, I think that he's a little bit sneakier, elusive in underneath screens and stuff and slants than people maybe give him credit for. And, um, he doesn't drop anything really down the field. Uh, now some of the things that are legitimate question marks is his, uh, his, um, ability to make catches in traffic. Not not a lot of those at, at the college level over two years. Mm-hmm. His ability to return to the football, you know, more more complex, more demanding types of routes. Uh, how well he catches the ball with his hands in those types of situations, uh, extended grabs, letting the ball get into you, uh, and um, just his overall route tree capability. Now. I personally am not as concerned about those things with Brandon Ayuk as maybe some other people are. Uh, and and um, I, I just have seen the, uh, the development of some ASU players uh, late in their college career and projecting forward into the NFL. And um, it, Brandon Ayuk still has a lot more room to develop. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think when we make the mistake – uh, people make the mistake. Fans, observers, they they look at career productivity as sort of the be all end all, right. and and I don't see it that way at all. I'm looking at who is much less of a finished product when they're getting drafted than I do at what they've already accomplished. So I think it can be a little bit deceiving. Uh, ASU fans, any college fans, really, they look at how. Uh, productive that somebody was in college, the records that they broke, you know, how clutch that they were, quote unquote, mm-hmm. all these things. But that's sort of irrelevant projecting to the NFL. And so Brandon Ayuk as a junior college player, I uh, feel like he arrived and uh, he had been recruited as a defensive back by 
some schools. Alabama, he hadn't been you know playing receiver at a high level for a long time, even though he was successful in junior college, sixty catches or something like that as a as a sophomore. But I, I, he also was in the shadow of Nikhil Harry, so he wasn't not a lot was like put on him uh, his first year at ASU, and then he exploded, of course, this past year. Mm-hmm. I I I I, re- I really think Rob that this is the best ASU wide receiver prospect that uh, that I have certainly covered. Uh, I, I would say at least this century, in my opinion. And I, right. I, obviously, people are gonna. They're going to immediately zoom to Nikhil Harry and Jalen Strong, you know, both of whom, of course, great players at ASU. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think one of the one of the key differences about college football and the NFL football that I, I've, I've talked to scouts about and has really stuck with me, and I agree with it, is in college they uh, defensive coordinators will play their guys up on you and they'll try to delay your routes and they'll, they'll try to make good timing and accuracy on throws over the top to beat you. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and in the NFL, um, they are a little bit more concerned and threatened with giving up the big play. And so they tend to give a little bit more cushion for receivers. Mm-hmm. And, and so what matters really in that, construct is that a a guy like Jalen Strong or Nikhil Harry who's less intimidating to NFL cornerbacks with their with their speed with their ability to get behind the defense that leads to situations where they have a harder time getting separation underneath because the those NFL corners can really sit down on mm-hmm on receivers like that. Well, Brandon Ayuk is a guy that you are a little bit concerned about giving up a big play on, right? He has the ability right. to get to to get vertical and and be a threat uh, at that level. And so I think that he his game is a little bit more suitable to the NFL from a standpoint of he's going to probably have the ability to have a little bit more daylight between himself and defensive backs which is going to lead to more catch opportunities to then work with the ball in his hand. So I like him mm-hmm. um, more than any of these receivers coming through ASU in quite a long time. I, I, I thought Derek Hagan was, even though not a freak athlete, a tremendous skill receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean McDonald was a tremendously explosive guy, even if undersized going back to the earlier 2000s, the aughts, if you want to call it that. Before that, uh, you got to go back to like the Keith Poole uh, of the world and, uh, and, and guys that were really before I, I closely followed ASU football like, uh, like Aaron Cox in, in the mm-hmm. late 80s. So I uh, look, in this draft, there's a lot of wide receiver talent, and there's a wide range of how Brandon Ayuk is perceived, just mm-hmm. like a lot of other guys. And I think that on a lot of these teams' boards, there's going to be uh, very different views about the ordering and the value of those players. And we've been saying this for months, so I'll just give my two cents about Brandon Ayuk. I completely agree with most of your evaluation. Um, 
uh, of Brandon Ayuk in, in the fact that he plays, it seems like, faster uh, than a lot of other prospects in terms of uh, how he run his, how he ran his 40, excuse me, and, and how he operates with the ball in his hands. I think that Nikhil Harry will end up being a better pro, but I have to give Chris the credit of before even uh, Brandon Ayuk's great season, Chris said that he projected Brandon Ayuk to uh, end up being a better NFL player uh, than Nikhil Harry, saying that he thought his ceiling was higher. I still believe that Nikhil Harry, his big-framed body, his ability to uh, high-point the ball and, and make tough, contested catches will end up uh, proving more um, effective in the NFL. I don't think Brandon Ayuk will ever be the guy uh, that anybody can depend on as a number one. I think there's a chance Nikhil Harry uh, could be closer to uh, a team's number one receiver. Um, and, and I also uh, am wary uh, of Brandon Ayuk and his uh, uh, skinnier frame. He's definitely not a skinny guy, but I say skinnier because Nikhil Harry uh, is just a lot more muscular and built and has a, a taller frame at six foot four. So, so I think Brandon Ayuk's size is tremendous. Um, yeah, I think that he... I think that uh, if you look at a lot of the receivers in the NFL today, they're smaller than Brandon Ayuk. Certainly, Ayuk, certainly Ayuk has one of the freakiest wingspan ratios uh, of any wide receiver in recent history. Uh, so he plays a lot more like somebody who's 6'3", 6'4", than, uh, in terms of his length, not necessarily in terms of style, uh, than, than somebody who's six foot or, or, or six foot one. I, I you may have a point that Brandon Ike may not be a number one uh, receiver, but I think that he's at least going to be a good number two receiver. And the uh, we, we we talked I about agree. we talked about on the site that the the uh, ESPN's analytics teams view Brandon Ayuk as having one of the best chances of any receivers in this draft of becoming a Pro Bowler and becoming right. a, a number one wide receiver. So right. It's really interesting. The wide receiver projections by ESPN Analytics um, have Henry Ruggs as the most likely to be a Pro Bowl uh, wide receiver with Jerry Judy coming in second, uh, followed by Justin Jefferson. And then at fourth, it is Brandon Ayuk ahead of CeeDee Lamb and T. Higgins. Um, And as a consistent starter percentage, um, all of those prospects are above 80% with Brandon Ayuk tied for third with Justin Jefferson at 87%. So the analytics are really favoring everything uh, that you're saying, Chris, and that he will be a solid receiver with a chance to be even better than solid. Yeah, I just, um, I don't, I'm not, I think in order to be a number one receiver in the NFL, you have to be able to get uncovered a lot. And in, and that can't just be contested catches. Mm-hmm. The kill Harry is much more of a contested catch red zone sl- slash type of a guy. That is completely and, true. And so, yeah, so I don't think he's ever going to be a high-volume target guy in the NFL, which you kind of have to be, in my, and you have to be able to be uh, to get away from guys. I, I think that another guy in this draft uh, who we, we, we watched a lot play in recent years, LaVisca Chenault, is, is probably underrated and capable mm-hmm. of being maybe a number one guy at the NFL right. level. I, I like him also just – throwing that out there since we're talking about these receivers, but uh, I haven't studied all of these other guys nationally enough to be able to compare them and rank them mm-hmm. and, and that kind of thing. So it is. I, it, it, yeah. It it, is if, if, if Brandon Ayuk gets taken late first, I personally don't think that that's a major stretch for him. Mm-hmm. 
And, and I thought, thought right. Nikhil Harry was like a second or third round guy. And Nikhil was end of the first round. So, I mean, you know, th- those, those seem like they, they line up. Okay, Chris, moving on to Eno Benjamin. Uh, put together two very prolific seasons when he was in the starting role uh, as the premier running back for Arizona State. Obviously going over 1,500 yards, uh, setting the single-season rushing record uh, for ASU as well as the most carries ever in a season. Um, he's projecting as a mid to late round running back in really a loaded class headlined by guys like Jonathan Taylor and Drew Swift. Uh, uh, I mean, DeAndre Swift, excuse me. Um, it seems like he is, you know, going into a very tough year to be in the draft as, as a running back. Well, I think every year is kind of tough as a running back uh, in today's version of the NFL, just because we're not seeing uh, hardly any guys project to round one status. You have to be a, a freak of nature, big, strong, fast, physical, tough, durable, and and highly productive uh, in your career, pretty much in college, to be able to push up into that first, second round, even status. Um, I will say that, you know, Benjamin has a lot of those characteristics, just in a less flashy uh, way. He's not uh, he doesn't carry the type of size of most NFL running backs. That's a little bit of a concern. Uh, he doesn't have the type of maybe elite speed of some NFL running backs. That's a little bit of a concern. But yet, even with that being the case, he has demonstrated uh, tremendous workhorse capability, uh, the ability to run inside and out, to make guys miss, to break tackles, to get tremendous yak after the initial uh, contact. Mm-hmm. And... and uh, he's a, he's a, uh, pretty good, uh, receiver out of the backfield. I think he improved significantly this last year with max protections and he's doing it willingly. Um, does not, he had the couple fumbles lost three, four fumbles mm-hmm. lost this past year. I think that's a little bit of a concern, but the year prior, he had no issues with it. So I think that's more of a right. concentration or bad sort of a stretch than, something that is inherently really flawed with his approach or his game. And uh, for being a, you know, maybe a around 200 pound type of a guy, I, I think that uh, he's extremely durable. He just, for me, what I'm, what I'd be looking for in the NFL, I think that he's a guy who probably ends up having a lot of value in the NFL draft. If he ends up, dropping below like the third round, which I think he probably will. My guess is he goes in like the fourth or fifth rounds. And he's a guy that I personally would like to take uh, at that, at that, in that range. If I have a need at running back, of course, again, I'm not like evaluating all the other options, but I just, I just feel really good about him as a guy that you're going to be happy with having in your backfield as part of your franchise, probably a timeshare guy, but he's mm-hmm. someone that you can pair with a, a high end speed athlete. And, and that's going to be a good combination or you could even uh, pair him with like a really big, you know, power back type. Of I would guy. expect that more, uh, and, a bigger power back alongside him to get maybe the tougher yards on like the, you know, third and short situations. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, uh, you know, Benjamin was really slinky. He had the ability to get those yards a lot of he times. Did. But, he did. but, but, you know, it, but what, what this comes down to, and again, it's similar also to our conversation about these receivers. Like if you try to compare Nikhil mm-hmm. Harry to Ayuk, so much of this depends on schematic fit, the style, 
the other personnel around you, those are the things, and the coaching, those are the things that largely determine how successful that you are. It's not, we, you can never really do a true apples to apples comparison for players because one player could be in a much better suited situation for him than somebody else is. And, uh, and so unless you have somebody that just happens to be in the absolute best situation, you never really maybe will know, you know, about, about how they would have done in somewhere else or in some other circumstance. And so, uh, I just, I like, you know, Benjamin, mm-hmm. I, I look at, Again, like we look at, you know, we talked about Ayuk and where he measured up historically, and you could do the same kind of a conversation. Uh, Kalen Balaj, I, I did not see him as a draftable running back. I just didn't. I mean, and uh, you said that repeatedly. He got drafted, he had two good runs, and then people exploded on him. And then this year, he had a terrible year. Uh, I don't even know if he's with the Dolphins anymore. I, I think he is, but, but. You just have to have vision and you have to have this innate feel as a running back. That's like what I'm looking for. And, you know, Benjamin, he has that in spades. I think um, the last running back at ASU who, who I liked a lot uh, was, was Marion Grice. I think he was a very good running back, um, you know, had some injury issues. I think before that, Ryan Terrain. Uh, he also had, he had the Liz Franck injury while at ASU. I think, uh, you know, both of those guys, you know, healthy could have maybe done a little bit more. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, Benjamin really, if you look at it, he has to be viewed as the best overall, in my opinion, anyway, running back, at least since J.R. Redmond entered the NFL, uh, in 2000. And so we're talking 20 years. In my opinion, I think he's better than than what JRM was leaving ASU, which means you got to go back further to like uh, Mario Bates maybe in the mid-1990s. I think Mario Bates was, um, at the time, a tremendous running back prospect. And so it to me, this is a once-in-a-25-year type of a back, at least in terms of what ASU has been in recent uh, history. And I remember that fans uh, of ASU were really critical um, at points last season when Eno Benjamin wasn't putting up 200-yard rushing performances. But the fact that he had over 1,000 yards, Chris, with an offensive line that had two true freshmen starting that really struggled at times uh, and played good uh, Pac-12 defenses like Utah, um, I I was pretty impressed with how he just continued uh, to try to chug uh, yards long. He had a hundred yards against Cal when Cal was uh, Cal had uh, allowed a hundred yard rusher uh, through its first, I think, five games or whatever that was at that point. I, I think um, you know ASU fans uh, will remember how he was able to overcome some of the obstacles uh, this past year. And also, you know, like you said, he only got two years to be the lead back. He the first year uh, he was a uh, a true freshman and, and didn't see much time uh, coming back from a was that an ankle injury, Chris? Yeah, he had like a foot foot ankle injury, right? And he, yeah, and he was playing behind Demario, uh, Richard, and Kalen Balaj then. Um, but I think he really, as you're saying, made the most of his two years. Uh, one thing I am a little bit curious in seeing uh, Eno from Wiley, Texas, uh, always before ASU games would come out um, with his uh, beats that he customized to have 
the Dallas Cowboys logo. He told me that he was a huge Cowboys fan, always had been since before he could remember. Um, and I will be a little bit curious to see if there's any chance the Cowboys uh, draft him. I think that'd be a really cool story uh, for Benjamin. I know that's you know unlikely. It might it, you know there's 31 other teams that are that, that could also pick him, but I'll be curious to see if that if that happens. Well, I just don't think that um, him wearing the Beats is going to probably lead the Cowboys to. Uh, no, the, the Beats is just about about him yeah. being a fan. Uh, I and, know. I'm, I'm just joking, but yeah. um, he, just I, I just <laughs> no. I just think that he's 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 really good. I mean, he's a guy who uh, is better after 20 carries than he is like you know to start the game. And he has such tremendous vision and balance. Like running back in the NFL level, it's about vision. It's about balance. It's about durability and your ability to play through minor injuries. I feel like he does all the, all those things. And uh, I, he's a guy that I'd want to have on my team. Okay, moving on to Cole Cabral, Chris. He's viewed as more of a late-round pick. He was taken in the sixth round uh, of a recent CBS uh, sports draft that we have on our site right now. Um, and I'm curious what you think his fit as, or what you think his fit could be with an NFL team. He, you know, he, he's a guy that played left tackle, but was also uh, uh, much better when he was playing center for ASU. Yeah, he just, uh, his senior season was a little bit of a disappointment. And I think the, um, he had such a great junior year. He thought that would kind of naturally progress. And I think that the whole, you know, circumstance with Zach Robertson and who's going to play left tackle, that messed things up, uh, I think, at, at the outset uh, for Cole Cabral. And so he just didn't have a clean entrance into the season. And then by the time they moved things, there was some just – it seemed like there was some, some synergy issues. And it, uh, it just didn't work out the way that I think he probably would have hoped. Everybody at ASU, I'm sure, would have hoped. And, and that isn't to say that Cole Cabral can't play in the NFL, because I, I definitely think he can. He is, remember, um, most centers don't have that type of length. And I think he greatly improved his strength and his physical composition uh, in the last year, which is, those are good things. I think that uh, he's a, a cerebral and hardworking type of a guy. Uh, I think he's been able to stay healthy and, and out on the field. That really matters a lot. Um, just athletically, uh, getting to some of these reach blocks and, and a little bit more difficult things uh, for, for a guy who's 6'4", 6'5", not as naturally capable as I think some of these teams are going to want. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I think he may end up being like a day three type of a pick mm -hmm. just, just, and then also just the raw body moving capability in the run game. Um, he, to me tends to be a little bit more of an angle, uh, and strategic type of a blocker than a guy who has brute body moving ability. And so that coupled with the handling speed uh, coming into the gaps and his ability to reach to get to some blocks. I think those are some of the concerns. I think just in a, uh, I think that he will hold his ground decently well mm -hmm. against nose tackles and, uh, and be, be okay 
you know, reasonably solid in the in in straight more straight pass pro situations. I think he I think he is uh, probably an average NFL center in terms of being able to get to places on pulls and some space blocking and getting getting on the second level. Um, you know, pretty you know he's pretty sound from a technical standpoint. I just think that his athleticism is a bit limiting and then his film last year wasn't as good and those things may uh may hurt him to some degree so think he's gonna get drafted so think he has a good chance to make a roster and build up from there okay chris and then what about some of the other guys that asu has uh that might not be drafted guys like michael turk kobe williams uh kaylin curse thomas what do you think about them as prospects well michael turk has um the most powerful leg that I've ever seen at ASU. Uh, the only person that's close is Josh Plaster, who I thought had a chance to make an NFL roster, but some of his consistency issues, I think, uh, hurt him. It's so hard. It's so hard. People don't realize, like, you may only have one, two, maybe three new punters in any given year that can make NFL rosters because so many guys are – consistently producing already in the league and not retiring. So it's almost like a one in one out type of thing. It's like, it's like uh, social distancing rules with stores in the NFL. Like, like you, somebody else has to like leave or not do well, retire for you to get, to get an opportunity. So from a draft standpoint, uh, that's, you know, it's not like you're going to have a lot of chances in the last, one of the last guys who got drafted reasonably high as a punter, didn't do all that well. So I think teams are, you know, second-guessing it. I would say that Turk has about, about a 50% chance of being drafted. It was kind of weird to me that he left early, but maybe he's just looking at next year's draft, the, the reality of, of punters in the draft, et cetera, et cetera. I do think that, in my mind, there's no doubt that he has a, a uh, NFL starter-level leg. Uh, I think his legs better at the same juncture than Matt Hawk, and Matt Hawk is is uh, a borderline top ten punter in the NFL right now uh, after a good ASU career. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, and then and then uh, the two guys that I think could sneak up on people as undrafted free agents, very unlikely they would get drafted, especially not having pro days to kind of prove and show that they, their athleticism, which probably would have been an asset to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kobe Williams and Kalen Kirst Thomas. Uh, I look at Kobe Williams and I, I see someone who if two inches taller, three inches taller, he probably gets drafted. Uh, It's just totally. Yeah. It's just in, in he's five, eight or whatever. And in today's NFL, the that length is is perceived as so important not just how tall you are but your arm span uh what you can do at the line of scrimmage with that physically against players uh in in contested catches balls arrival uh in the end zone you know what's going to happen in some of these situations and the hand fighting and the way that receivers are able to get away with a lot i I think those are the questions that you have about him and we saw that at times at the college level against bigger receivers, but Kobe Williams, he, he almost gave up nothing in college football. I mean, uh, I look at another former ASU cornerback 
mm-hmm. from some years ago. Justin Tryon, uh, probably probably 2008 or nine. I think 2009 maybe was his draft year, and uh, he was five nine, uh, very physical type of a kid. He made it, and I think he got drafted uh, higher than a lot of people might have expected in the mid rounds. And stuck around for four or five years. Uh, Nickel Corner did some returning. Kobe Williams hasn't done any returning. But uh, I just think, like, on balance, Kobe Williams is not a lesser football player purely in terms of productivity at the position um, than Justin Tryon was. And so I think he deserves a shot. And then Kalen Kirst-Thomas, it wasn't expected. I don't think that he was going to be the best linebacker for ASU last year after the previous year with what uh, Darian Butler and Merlin Robertson did in their freshman years and what you kind of anticipated to be the normal uh, progression. And then Tyler Johnson also there. But Kalen Chris Thomas, to me, was the best linebacker that ASU had last year. Mm-hmm. Certainly the most versatile linebacker, and meaning that he handled zone drops and had a better presence in the passing game and range in the passing game uh, and also demonstrated pass rush capability, blitzing, run stopping. And I think that his style of play is, is somewhat suitable actually to be a, a weak side linebacker at the NFL level uh, in some of these teams. So um, I think that either one of those two guys if they get an opportunity, they they uh, could sneak up on some teams, depending upon their roster situation, the personnel that they have, and and all of those other variables that are kind of hard to to figure. But if they get into the right situation, do not be surprised if they end up impressing and going late, or maybe even mm-hmm. making making a making a roster. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think everybody's just really excited about having uh, the NFL draft. Uh, you know, more sports. I mean, I know the last dance as we're recording this podcast on Monday, April 20th was last night and people are really excited about that. But, you know, with no sports uh, teams, people are really, really happy about the idea of the NFL drafts happening pretty soon. Although Adam Schefter did recently uh, report that uh, there was a mock draft held uh, for NFL GMs that did not go well uh, with the uh, media uh, excuse me, with the, uh, the the ways in which it was handled. The technology of the, the technology whole thing. is what I mean. Um, yeah. Thank you, Chris. And uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. So for publisher Chris Cartman, I'm your host, Rob Warner, saying so long and thank you for tuning in. Akuna Matata. <laughs>